Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Ramadan Mubarak to you and yours. This Ramadan, as we all gather to share a meal with our loved ones, we need to remember those in Gaza who are also gathering to share a meal with so many who aren't there that were just there a year ago. Since October the 7th, the Human Development Fund has assisted over 200,000 people in Gaza, providing them with essential aid, such as food baskets, water, hot meals, winter items, shelter, hygiene kits, and baby formula. Your generous contributions are making a significant impact, especially in Rafah. Let's sustain this momentum and continue providing crucial support during this sacred and blessed month. Please visit hdfund.org slash qalam. That's hdfund.org slash qalam, Q-A-L-A-M, to learn more about our global reach this Ramadan and choose where you'd like to direct your support during this blessed month. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make this month a time of mercy, solace, acceptance, and triumph for the ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And may Allah continue to use all of us as a means and never replace us. Ameen, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the Qalam Podcast. Isra wal Miraj. Join us as we revisit the miraculous night journey and the impact it had on the Prophet Sallallahu life and what lessons we can apply to our own. To support community events just like this one, please visit qalamfamily.com. Jazakallah khair for listening. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi wa kafa wa salamu ala ibadihin ladhin astafa khususan ala Sayyidi Rasulia wa khatim al-Anbiya wa ala alihi al-Askiya wa ashabihi al-Atqiya amma ba'd. fascinating because every year when we're in Rajab we have this gathering about Al-Isra wal-Mi'raj. There are those people who get caught with celebrations and choose to do things that are actually not from the deen of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In Islam we have a very clear set of rules when it comes to engagement with the deen. Anything we ascribe to the deen, anything we add to the deen, anything we do in the name of the deen must properly be represented by the teachings of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa This idea of just adding things as you go along and making something out of nothing is frowned upon and we refer to it as an innovation as a bid'ah in certain parts of the world when it comes to certain days of Rajab there are foods that are made and people say that this is the sunnah food to have in Rajab there are gatherings that occur these are sunnah gatherings to have in Rajab someone asked one of the mashayikh once one of our teachers teachers what's the sunnah meal to have in Rajab and he said, other than at one or two occasions in the Prophet's life, there was never a prescribed meal for any time or day. The greatest you'll find is that Rasulullah would have dates at certain times and on certain dates. Certain days. Dates. It was known that Nabi would have dates at iftar. 
Similarly, he would have dates at suhoor. We also know that days would go on and end while Rasulullah would suffice on dates. Other than a few things here and there, there is no, oh, on this day there is going to be this thing. This is inherited from other uh, faiths and religions where per holiday they have a special meal attached to it, like kind of like Thanksgiving. And we've turned Rajab and Al-Isra wal-Mi'raj into that. What we are doing here today is very different. As an educational institution, we like to use every opportunity that we can to educate people about our deen. So this gathering has much more to do with education, connecting with the Prophet ﷺ, connecting with the teachings of Nabi ﷺ. People ask this question that is there any particular act that needs to be done on the night of Al-Isra wal-Mi'raj? Well, the answer to that is quite simple. First and foremost, no. And secondly, it is almost impossible with any level of certainty or even um, conviction to claim any one date to Al-Isra wal-Mi'raj. The debate among Muslim scholars on the, on the date uh, for the occurrence of Al-Isra wal-Mi'raj is highly debated, let alone the date, even the year. Some historians have gone as far as saying that the incident occurred somewhere in a four to five year window. They're not even able to point it down to a year because there's so much debate on this. And this leads to another point, which is that incidents that occurred prior to migration, the scholars tend to differ a lot when it comes to opinions on when they occurred. Because documentation wasn't as prominent. People were still practicing Islam privately. People were figuring out things on their own. Not everything was public in the sense that people were writing down things or keeping track of dates that this happened here, this happened there. Once migration occurs, now things become very clear. Battle of Badr, 17th of Ramadan, second year after migration. We can give you an exact date. It was the 17th of Ramadan, second year after Hijrah. Battle of Uhud, we can give you the exact date, and so on. The incidents after migration are very different from pre-migration, and this, is may, this may be one of the reasons why Umar chose migration as the point for the beginning of the Islamic calendar, because after that, things were recorded. So much more was recorded post-migration as opposed to pre-migration. So people ask that, is there anything specific to eat on the day? No. We don't have anything from Rasulullah Is there anything specific to do on that day? No, because there isn't even a way for us to determine the exact date. If we have a difference of opinion regarding the year, then everything else after that. And as for the month of Rajab, a good number of scholars have actually leaned in this direction. I'm talking about historians. So therefore, the scholars have held that possibly towards the end of Rajab is when this incident occurred. As for the occurrence of the incident itself, it is undeniable, unquestionable. Because the reference of that is found directly where? In the Quran. There's an entire surah named what? Suratul Isra. Al-Isra. The Mi'raj is not referenced by name in the Quran, the Isra is mentioned by name, clearly. Subhanalladhi asra bi'abdihi laylam min al-masjid al-haram. And then when we turn to the teachings of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the ahadith, there is abundance of reference there. Um, Imam Bukhari rahmatullahi alayhi, Imam Muslim rahmatullahi alayhi, Imam Nasai, all of them, they have narrated the narrations regarding al-Isra wal-Mi'raj. When we were studying hadith, 
I recall we were studying Sunan Nasa'i with our Sheikh, Sheikh Bilal. And the first, we started with Kitab al-Salah. He said, I'm going to start the book with Kitab al-Salah. So we went to Kitab al-Salah, which is not the first chapter, but he wanted to start there. So we started from Kitab al-Salah. And the first hadith in the chapter is the one about Al-Isra wal miraj And I kid you not, we probably spent two, three months just on one narration. Two or three months on one narration. Every day he came in and talked about it further and further and went into more detail and went into more detail. And I share that because there is so much to discuss when it comes to the narration of Al-Isra wal miraj But there is one narration of Rasulullah that I wanted to share with you that's narrated by Imam Muslim rahmatullahi alayhi in his sahih and with that we'll conclude the night as well. Imam Muslim rahmatullahi alayhi in his sahih narrates that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, it's a longer narration of the Al-Isra wal-Mi'raj, and he says, فُعْتِيت فَعْتِيت So then I was given three things. I was given three gifts on the night of Al-Isra wal-Mi'raj. The first of those gifts, the Prophet of Allah said, what was it? Salat. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam returned back with salah. And it's not that salah wasn't being prayed before. We already know that salah was being prayed even prior to al-Isra wal-Mi'raj. The second and third revelation of the Qur'an referenced prayer. قُمِ اللَّيْلَ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا إِنَّ رَبَّكَ يَعْلَمُ أَنَّكَ تَقُومُ أَدْنَى مِنْ ثُلُثَهِ اللَّيْلِ وَنِسْفَهُ وَثُلُثَهُ وَطَائِفَةٌ مِنَ الَّذِينَ مَعَكَ The ayat of the Qur'an had already referenced salah. Rasulullah was already praying. Bear in mind that Al-Isra wal-Mi'raj, according to the most common position of the historians, occurred um, in the 10th slash 11th year of prophethood. So, Salah was already obligated for 10 years. The riwayat tell us that after the first revelation, Jibreel alayhi salam then came again and told Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, taught him how to pray. The early companions were seen praying Salah in the mountains of Mecca and the Quraysh would come and throw stones at them. This is also known. And al-Isra wal-Mi'raj, the Salah was completed in the five in total. First Salah was obligated as one prayer. And then from there, it became three prayers of obligation. And then at the night of Isra wal-Mi'raj, it became a total of five prayers in obligation, completing off the fard, that this will be the obligation. Muslims were commanded to pray five times a day. And when we use the word command, it seems to be very daunting and overwhelming. But the truth is that the prayer that we do five times a day, if you do it with the right perspective, it's you hitting time out on life five times a day. It's taking a break from the world. You can choose to pray it as an obligation and be burdened by it, or you can view it as a gift. It's a matter of perspective. How do you view it? I can look at a laptop that my father brought from me when he went on a trip somewhere as a big clunky you know, metal object that I have to lug around everywhere. Or I can look at it as his kindness, that he remembered me. When he was there, he didn't have to think of me, but he did. So when we think of, when we think of salah in reality, it's a gift from Rasulullah. That's how you need to view your salah, that I'm about to, every time you say Allahu Akbar, I'm about to engage with that gift the Prophet brought back from his Lord when he went on that beautiful, honorable night of Al-Isra wal-Mi'raj. And just as Rasulullah had his intimate moments of whispering, we have that opportunity as well. The second thing that he said, Khawatimu Surat al-Baqarah, 
Rasulullah he also came as a gift. He brought the gift back of the closing verses of Surah Al-Baqarah, which are so profound and beautiful. The closing verses of Surah Al-Baqarah, the translation of them, Ya Allah, we are broken human beings. We're trying our best. Don't hold us accountable to perfection because we're not perfect. Right there. Ya Allah, I'm not perfect. I'm a mess. La tu'akhidna in nasina aw akhta'na. Ya Allah, don't hold us accountable if we mess up and we, when we make mistakes. Rabbana la tahmil alayna isran kama hamiltahu ala ladhina min qablina. Don't give us a burden that the people before had to carry. La tuhamilna ma la taqatana nabi. Don't give us a weight to carry that we don't have the power to carry. Rasulullah felt like he was carrying a lot in his life. So he came back with this gift, these verses, just making dua to Allah and connecting back, Ya Allah, allow me to carry my weight. Give me strength to carry the weight that you have determined for me to carry. Allow me to reach my potential. Don't cut my road short. Pardon us for our shortcomings. Forgive us for the wrong that we do along this path. And have mercy upon us to give us strength to keep going forward. Because shaitan and the disbelievers aren't making this any easier. So be with me by my side. And the third, Rasulullah said that Allah promises he will pardon the sins of every person that comes to him on the day of judgment who did not commit shirk. And in one of al-muqhimat, those sins that destroy a person, Allah will, fall, Allah will forgive them. And that's optimism for us there. That no matter how hard it gets, you keep doing tawbah, you keep turning to Allah again and again, but you don't give up. You can't give up. There's no choice here to give up. Giving up on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving up on your akhirah. It's basically lighting your, jan- your jannah and turning it into jahannam. I was talking about this with the students at the seminary earlier. You know, a rock climber who's climbing without a harness is holding on to a chunk of rock. And the thought crosses his mind that, buddy, just stop. You're in a tough place. He can't give up. There's too much on the line here. If he loosens that grip, he's going to die. So every time you're struggling and shaitan says, let go of Allah, it's useless. He's never helped you. Just let go, just let go. It's not an option. And don't be fooled by shaitan. He is, you know, the devil. I was going to use an adjective, but I was like, why not? Why? Seize the proper noun. He is the devil. So he comes to you when you are most vulnerable, not when you're straight and strong. He comes to you when you're sick. He comes to you when you're sad. Who goes to someone to convince them of something when they're sad? A predator does. Someone who's unethical does that. Imagine I tried to sell something to you and try to make profit off you when you were emotionally down. Would you accept that? Yes or no, folks? So shaitan comes to convince you of the most important thing in your existence, the absence of God, when you are sad. How treacherous is that? And here we are, when we're at the lowest point, we probably wouldn't even decide at that moment to purchase a pair of shoes because we know we're emotionally not sound, we're making decisions about our relationship with Allah. Whoever dies from this world without making partners with Allah, Allah says, I'll take care of you. Just stay loyal to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Keep your salah going and keep those verses of Surah Baqarah part of your life. They create the human within you. 
It's accepting your human side. It's pleading to Allah while invoking your humanity. Rabbana la tu'akhdhna in nasina wa May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept and grant barakah in this night. We pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pardons our shortcomings and allow us, allows us to live by the teachings of Rasul alayhi salatu salam and allows us to take inspiration from his beautiful life. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.